ten. Welcome to LOP Radio Raw Reviews. I click about. Okay, Raw's back off the cliff. <laughs> it's big, I think it's fair to say. Uh, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also in podcast form. A link's in the description or head over to wrestlingheadlines.net for all your wrestling news and, of course, information on this stream, podcast, whatever, what have you, depending on how you're listening to it. Raw was interesting this week, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. In terms of notes, I've bloody hell. I, I've not actually counted. I've seen uh, a few different people, mostly British people, because of course they who I follow on the uh, Twitter sphere. But the Vessel Talk guys said a similar thing, and I saw Simon Miller also saying that he'd got like a thousand words over his normal word limit. <laughs> He's got. I've just count. I've just looked at mine, and I've got over two thousand eight hundred <laughs> words worth of notes for this show. Wow, for this show, <laughs> uh, it's the fact that it's been like universally. Like, everybody's had something to say. It's just like, what on earth <laughs> are we looking at over over here? It's an interesting one. I'm trying to find in my notes, when was the first time that we saw the guy standing out, stage, standing out backstage? But my God, it's a topic for today. Let's just get on to it. Get on to the topic before I drift off too much. <laughs> just realising, like, yeah, so I'm going to do my best to keep this as short as possible. As I've just said, I'm just shy of 3,000 words for this thing. <laughs> my notes are nowhere near that normally. But my God, this was a show with a lot on it. With, for me, many pacing issues. I hit my... I hit, so I know if you're like the first time listening to the show, I made it like a running thing to make sure that I note when I hit my fatigue point with this show. Because I've said before, and I've heard others say as well, that like the show's too long or the show's like made some fatigue and I thought well it might be worth noting when does that happen so like last week there was no fatigue point for me I generally just enjoyed the entirety of Raw which is normally quite rare because I like normally like a common thing for me to say it's too long I normally have a point where I drift away but not this week no this week it was like it was a point halfway through where I hit my fatigue point then there was another point later on where I was looking at the times like, when is this show going to end? <laughs> it just kept rolling on. I'm like, my God, it's half an hour left and there's guaranteed to be no wrestling. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like the, the fan in me was just like, like, if I wasn't doing this review, if I wasn't doing anything for Laws of Pain slash wrestling headlines, yeah, I wouldn't have finished this show. <laughs> it was, and I got hit, hit up on Twitter. A shout out to Shane who hit me up on Twitter. Uh, just saying, uh, uh, yeah, he would have had the similar. He would have. He did stop watching. So that's quite interesting to hear. Like, I'm assuming <laughs> Shane either listens to this or reads my work or whatever. But yes, does that to hear that there is a fan who doesn't do any stuff, but does. But yeah, but yeah, what does watch the wrestling, but isn't like somebody like me who covers it, and then just hit people to say, yeah, I stopped watching. So, yeah, so yeah, it makes my opinion feel a bit more grounded that I got. I hit that wall, but. If I did stop watching, I would have missed. <laughs> oh dear. So throughout the show, there were random things like power outages, and there was apparently a couple hours before Raw went live. Just checking everything's working. Yes. Yeah, great to check everything's working, you know, 
<laughs> a few minutes in. Should probably do that a little bit earlier. Yeah. Anyway, so I, yeah. So they've built throughout the show. There are little, there are really random things happening throughout, like light flickerings and things. And you're like, oh, is there a mini thing? They said there's the weather. I'd heard nothing about any weather issues. So immediately I'm like, what's going on here? And is it linked to Shane McMahon? Because that was before they went live. They announced Shane McMahon's be on the show. Oh, pop a rating. Woo! It bumped them up. I think. 0.1 million so that is an up it is an up <laughs> so i give them that and i don't know in pandemic numbers for television what that represents like as a like a normal type of jump i'll call it good it's a jump up let's, let's give them a stone a stone let's give them a let's give them a thing what do you give them <laughs> in my head i'm like give them a stick <laughs> that's not right give a bone <laughs> wow wow it is midnight here anyway so throughout the show they were teasing about uh, Shane, Shane McMahon's going to be there and there's random things happening uh, in terms of flickering lights and my god a box has been knocked over but there's rumours that it wasn't an accident <laughs> I'm just sitting there like what is this <laughs> what is this oh just soon because it was Charlie Caruso as well it was just oh it wasn't Charlie Caruso the one I'm thinking of because uh, with Roman Reigns being crushed by the thing that fell over and I was just like oh god this is it screamed that because of the like slight randomness of it like, um, things haven't been blocked out to make 100% the most sense in the world. Uh, I will say, for me, MVP carried this show. Throughout all of the nonsense, he like did his best to tie everything together. And I still love the Hurt Business. And at the end, they stood tall. But, oh my God, there's a lot of nonsense. <laughs> oh my God, a box has been knocked over. And then they kept cutting to a big bouncer standing outside of a door where there was pounding music. And... We're like, what's going to happen now? And we're told that Shane McMahon's in there. That's what's going. This is kind of weird. They're building to something. I'm assuming in the final hour we'll find out. Uh, found out earlier than that. It just randomly cuts to Vin, uh, to Shane McMahon, who's inside the place, and turns out it's a Fight Club. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> turns out Shane's hosting his own blood sport show. <laughs> yeah, or what? <laughs> okay. Um, so it was randomness all night, and then it just randomly cuts to him. And uh, first I thought, was this is the randomness tied to that? Uh, the answer was no. So at least, at least the randomness wasn't tied to Shane McMahon. It is the real. And I, I, I kind of like how the wrestlers on the show also kind of tied those things together as well. The MVP, like, well, there's been random stuff, and there's this. So are they connected? Like, no. But. We got, like, intermittently throughout the show, we'd cut back to the Bloodsport event. <laughs> and he's... I, I might as well describe it. So for me, this absolutely screamed 2000s. <laughs> it's just, uh, like, a, di a dingy, murky, like, underground fighting thing with uh, sweaty lads and uh, uh, in their dark shirts and... Uh, scanty clad women dancing on a stage and <laughs> Shane McMahon emceeing as people fight in the middle of a, a ring in this really dingy place. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this screams 2000. And uh, <laughs> it's, like, it's not for me. I'll be perfectly honest. I was just, I, I opened Twitter after the show and I was just like, I don't even, I feel like I should save all of my words for this broadcast here. But I just genuinely, I was so confused. Like, as soon as I saw it, it was not even a laugh. Like, I've, uh, like, what, I've listened to quite a few things throughout today. Luckily, I'm afforded the opportunity where I can kind of listen to stuff and best do that during my day. But my God, it, 
like, like quite a few people said that they openly laughed when they saw what was on the inside because it just it was never what you were expecting, <laughs> and it also feels so random <laughs> just to see it. Oh, it's a fight club with he's like a time traveling machine <laughs> back to the year two thousand or nineteen ninety nine when Fight Club was a major thing and oh like oh yeah Fight Club was a major success <laughs> in pop culture oh, but oh my god it's so random and I'm somebody who is just I'm not a USC fan like in the slightest and the only thing that has really won me over in terms of like the MMA. WWE crossover like to properly win me over was Bloodsport and that was kind of it's the semi-shoot kind of promotion thing where if because there were rumours that it might be bringing back the Brawl for All which again don't I, I couldn't care less for something like that and of course you put in the wrestlers at risk putting them into shoot fights because they're not pro- most of them aren't properly fighters but in this scenario when you've got <laughs> oh, you've I don't even, I was about to start, I was, I was like, I'll focus in on something. I was like, well, what do I even focus in on? It. The whole presentation is so weird to me. Because I'm not an MMA guy, I couldn't care less. But again, Bloodsport for me because it's part shoot fight. And if they use this to build somebody up, then maybe. Like, the Hurt Business looks strong at the end, so at least there it is that. But it's, it, like, I'm not somebody who really cares for the shoot fight thing. And the big thing about Bloodsport is it's one night, then it's done. And I don't watch it again. I watch it at WrestleMania weekend when they do this show uh, uh, during the WrestleMania kind of period. Then I don't watch them again till next year. And I'll be tuning in again for Bloodsport for the shoot MMA kind of style. Or shoot wrestling MMA. Faux MMA is normally what I've called it when I refer to it when it happened in Japan. But yeah, weird hand movement, <laughs> as I think. Uh, but yeah, I... I'm just lost with it. As you can tell, I'm stuttering all over the place. <laughs> I made myself some brief notes, but it's so strange. I might, as well end, I might as well go on how the show ended with the Raw Underground segment. Uh, they cut back again. Ziggler's in there beating up a lad. Shane praises his trainers. <laughs> the her, like Obviously, again, they've got Shane McMahon going over this whole thing. And there's one really important point, because it's got this whole dingy feel, but it's got the mad Kevin Dunn production. Which again, I've said before, works in certain aspects when the action in front of you kind of fits what the old camera cuts are saying. And Kevin Dunn will seemingly try and create the feeling of madness and cutting and all all this action type of thing, even when the action in the ring doesn't represent that. And for for like, no, just you don't have to go at that speed when the action in front of you match what's in front of you. Don't make up a story as a cameraman. Uh, which is what, for me, that's Kevin Dunn's biggest sin. He essentially makes up, tries to tell the story himself without taking into account what's actually in front of him. And sometimes, so when they do click, like I was saying, with like there was the tag team match, there's people jumping all over the place. For me, Kevin Dunn production worked perfectly for that. And so when he was cutting all over the place, and there's people jumping from everywhere, yeah, it can seem a bit manic at times, but for that kind of match, it works. For this, where it's kind of dingier. Uh, for me, it created a feeling of overproduction, where they're going for a dingy feel in this underground place. If you're going for that, you're not cutting between 20 cameras <laughs> back and forth constantly, trying to create that uh, kind of chaotic feeling. Because if you're a dingy underground place, you can't afford 20 cameras and a production truck. <laughs> you cut that crap down. Nearly swore. <laughs> you cut it down. And it's... Uh, yeah, so that was like a little thing. And then, of course, as well, throughout the entire thing, you've got Shane McMahon emceeing. 
And like, as soon as it starts, like, yeah, uh, like, I'm saying what man would come across as the kind of guy who would want to start this kind of thing and would think it was cool. However, when I'm watching it, I don't feel that it's cool. <laughs> because A, the overproduction, A, the feeling like we've jumped back in time. Like, the scanty, for, for me, like, one of the sticking out points was, like, they're trying to make it seem like this super cool thing was the dancers on the stage, but... That's not a thing in 2020 that generates that feeling. So, like, and, and my other feeling was maybe, but maybe this does like go for the demographic because, of course, on television, you're not gonna grab the like my age. I'm in my mid twenties. You're not gonna grab me for the kind of demographic to tune in on television. I don't watch live television. Obviously, I'm English. I didn't watch this live anyway. <laughs> like, I woke up next day and was able to wind through it at my own leisure pause it when I have to go off and do stuff like yeah it's yeah I'm fine with that <laughs> I'm massive tangent <laughs> but uh, maybe the the fight club the dancing girls the fact it's Shane McMahon are they going for a demographic of which I am not in <laughs> but again that's that still that major issue where if you're playing to that older audience then you're not bringing in new fans and this was weird to me like the fact that was, this show as a whole is madness. There's a reason I've gotten nearly 3,000 words. The underground thing is just like the start of it. <laughs> so, uh, I, again, I said I was going to talk about the end and I've gone into like more notes about production and like, the fact that Shane McMahon's riffing over it. And when they, afterwards as well, like throughout the show, when they came back, it'd be Tom Phillips and he would like directly just say like, wow, that was, that's cool, isn't it? Isn't that cool? Yeah, I can't wait to go back. That's so cool. Nothing is more uncool <laughs> than having your... Like, um, kind of just, just straight, robotic, white male <laughs> constrained to the camera. Wow, isn't that cool? Like, nothing's going to make me <laughs> think it's less cool. <laughs> so, uh, says generic white male. <laughs> but still, it's like, yeah, like nothing makes me think it's less cool than that. Uh, just There's so many multiple things. That, like, they're going for a feeling. And it's one of those things where... In theory, this could have been great, or it could have been something totally different, and just create this interesting feeling. But in execution for me, there's just too many little things. Uh, but there were, it came across to me that it was a bit too try-hard. And that's one of those feelings where a lot of people won't feel that, and it's normally quite more of a personal take when you, when you say something's a bit try-hard. But for me, again... It was the fact they were having commentary put it over in such a way whenever they cut back. It was the overproduced feel. It was uh, Shane McMahon presenting it as a super cool thing, like tune in at this point uh, with the uh, official logos as well and everything. It's, it's a little bit much <laughs> for what was meant to be an underground f fight club. Again, what is it? <laughs> what is the point of this? Where are you going? Uh, but anyway, the show ended with the Hurt Business turning up to their, uh, like, throughout, like later on, um, MVP was rightly just saying, like, well, why is no one more concerned about this Fight Club thing that apparently seems to be there? Um, and, of course, like, Molotov's being thrown, like, why are you questioning me about my United States Championship? Weird stuff is going around. What reporter are you? Um, again, MVP tied all of the nonsense together. <laughs> he was just asking the correct questions. Like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> Again, he's meant to be like the heel, trying to shut her down. But I feel like, no, he's right. <laughs> what are you? Uh, MVP came down, he grabbed the mic off Shane McMahon and announced that they were now running the place. Uh, he asked who wants to step up to the CEO of the Hurt Business, who is Bobby Lashley. And Lashley destroys a poor lad in the ring. 
Um, oh, the main thing I've not mentioned, because I've said Bloodsport before, but if you don't know what that is, it is that shoot kind of MMA vesting style. Um, I think the first one I watched was uh, Matt Riddle's in the main event, and the second, so it's called Matt Riddle's Bloodsport. The second year was uh, Josh Barnett, who is a former uh, MMA fighter, uh, and New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, wrestler, I guess, <laughs> as well, because uh, it's a wrestling MMA style. Uh, but the main point is that there are no ring ropes either, and it's a pure kind of shoot style. And I've said that Bloodsport last year was the event that convinced me that Karrion Cross just has that something special. Seeing him in that environment convinced me. So, as somebody who's not normally, um, not an MMA guy in the slightest, this idea doesn't appeal to me at all. I couldn't care less, and it feels so random at the same time as well. Like, you're not going to get me in with this. I'm not the target audience in the slightest. However, I have been sh shown in the past that it can work, and Karrion Cross is my proof. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Killer Cross, <laughs> but Karrion Cross is my proof that somebody can be built up and somebody can use this kind of atmosphere to do well. I've seen it happen, and I am not an MMA guy. <laughs> but I do not trust that it will happen in WWE. I've got hopes after how strong the Hurt business felt. But like as a wrestling thing as a whole, it feels really weird, <laughs> like really strange. Like it's one thing in a video game to find out there's an underground fighting ring <laughs> or something. Um, yes, I'm referring to the Yakuza games. <laughs> well, I'm a massive fan of those games, currently playing one right now. But under the park in that game, there was a hidden massive fighting ring <laughs> like a huge stadium underground and things like that where people are going crazy and there's the ring in the middle and people go in and up the fights like but that's a video game let's do this in wrestling and of course there's the other question where it was brought up before with like brawl for all so you're telling me that this is real fighting so what is the rest of it <laughs> what tensions am i meant to buy in with the rest of the show if this is the real thing then then what, what's the other stuff? <laughs> like what, is the, what is the rest of the show? What's the entire point of all that if this is the only thing that's real, that this is real fighting? For me, that's weird to put that in your same show. I, I would just never do it, but again, I'm not an MMA guy. I'm interested to hear from an, um, somebody who is an MMA fan. Now, what is your take on this? Because this is never going to appeal to me because it's not my thing. Uh, but it's been proven in past work. Uh, but anyway, I'll finish off the like how they all went down. Lashley destroyed a lad. MVP said he wanted some too. Uh, the three essentially cornered a poor lad into getting brought down and brought into the ring and beaten by all three of them. Uh, one by one, everybody leaves. Dio Madden stepped in to shout on Benjamin and also got destroyed. Uh, not again, Dio. <laughs> uh, Swerve attempted to bring him back to life. Oh yeah, Swerve was there as well. <laughs> and uh, your efforts didn't go unnoticed, Swerve, to save Dio. They were... You know, didn't end well, but hey. Uh, Shane say is it whenever the whenever Herbert was there, Shane was like, "Hey, hey, anything goes. You've proven your point." Uh, MVP then takes us off air by saying into the mic, uh, "We are the hurt business, and business is booming." And that kind of played off the fact that they hadn't had a very good night. Shelton Benjamin losing the twenty four seven championship. Uh, MVP losing the United States championship. And we go off air with them kind of getting retribution for that by beating people up in a fight club. Interesting statement. But they did it in suits as well. So that's the other next important point. <laughs> they're wearing their blazers. When they talked to Caruso earlier, they're wearing their blazers, obviously finished for the night and going out in style. 
and then they go into the fight club in their big suits where everybody else is like in the sweaty, dingy place with their black t-shirts on. These guys appear like a Shelton with a bright white blazer. MVP too. Like they're they're there, they look they stood out and then they beat everybody up. So I liked that. <laughs> I liked how the Hurt Business came out of this strong. But I have absolutely no idea. Well, you can tell, throughout this entire 20 minute start, I've had absolutely no idea what to say about Raw Underground. <laughs> like the entire time I was just sat there like, what am I watching? <laughs> and really that feeling overcame me for, uh, for like the final hour, especially of Raw. I was just sat there like, this is never ending with that feeling like thing after thing. But I'm sat there like, what am I watching? And like overall for me, like, I guess, not a main guy, but the, when it came to that final segment of War Underground, where I sat there realising we were going to go back once again, that like the show itself had, overall had such a bad kind of pacing run, that by the time it got to that, I was just like, please, for the love of God, <laughs> can this show end? Yeah. But I'll get into like the pacing issues as I go along, when I hit my kind of fatigue walls and I go a bit into it. But now, uh, I'm going to go through the show in order, and hopefully this won't take too long. But again, close to 3,000 words. A lot happened, and you'll realise that. <laughs> if you hear like loads of people recapping the show, like it's you'll talk uh, the raw underground were likely overshadow stuff. Then there's the stable which were doing stuff, and like you hardly even like oh yeah, somebody got poisoned on this show. Like Dominic challenged Seth Rollins to a match <laughs> at SummerSlam, and he got to do some like the awesome Mysterio spots as well. Like there's a lot that happened on this show. But seemingly the next mad thing overshadowed the last one. And it's just ended it on such a weird feeling. It's <laughs> such a weird roar. <laughs> it's got people talking, but I'm not sure it's the right one. Because I was sat, again, I really struggled to get through the second half of this show. And there's somebody covering it. Like, I outright was just saying, I think I even typed it in my notes. Like, I would not have finished this show if I wasn't reviewing it. That is not great. Like, even though it's got people talking, I wouldn't say it's long-term good. Like, they built some short-term hype. But it's bad... I guess I call it it's bad talk. Again, I say again because of Extreme Rules, which has also got people talking, not in a good way. And this is, again, not in a good way. Like, over time, if you keep doing that, then I guess the like the connotations for your, for your promotion will be that you are a joke if it keeps happening. If you if you give that feeling again and again and again, eventually you are what you are that what people say. You've just become a laughing stock. Not saying there wasn't some great. I don't need to stop rambling because <laughs> there's so many notes to get through. But I'm not saying there wasn't good on this show because there was. And when it gets to get to it, um, so we kicked off the show with the United States Championship finally on the line. Uh, we've got a load of our Corona returnees tonight. Uh, Apollo Cruz versus MVP for the United States Championship. Uh, we'll just say as well, like a great start to the show with lights going dark twice before our first match had even before our first match lads had even finished their entrances. Obviously, commentators bringing this up, MVP addressed this as well. By the end of the match, I was definitely thinking, right, this isn't like we're having production issues and we're going to just go with it. This is seemingly slightly purposeful, and that led in. I mean, it's I was behind it at this point. It's like you're doing something different. And it's more atmospheric and the characters are reacting to it. But it's not being shouted at you that is constantly happening. That reminded us it happened. It was narrated that it was happening. It wasn't drilled into us. And I like that. That's a bit better for WWE. And uh, 
Cruise is back. Apollo Cruise. Welcome, my friend. Uh, enjoyable enough opener. And uh, we got you a happy Apollo Cruise afterwards with his promo to Charlie Caruso. Just happy to be nice at champion. So just, like, it's a fun way to open the show. It wasn't anything to write home about, or, but it was enjoyable enough. It did its job. Yeah, before the match, MVP ran his mouth. Uh, before the bell, the lights flickered again. <laughs> uh, as has been the case with Porter's return, the younger talent has been able to get the better of him. Uh, showcased well before the ad break with Lashley and Benjamin pulling MVP out of harm's way after an Apollo burst. Uh, and then Apollo took us to break with a fly, with a top, I can't really say it, with a tope flying over the top rope. That was doing me in. <laughs> onto the three lads on the outside as the lights flickered once again as he did it. The lights flickering as they're doing the moves. It's like being on a cruise. <laughs> I've even italics that in my notes. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. Uh, my back and forth. Yeah, it's a nice back and forth after the break. Uh, but the same story for MVP struck once again. Uh, he nailed a German suplex on Apollo, who just popped right back up, ducked the lariat, and lifted MVP up for the toss powerbomb. Uh, down you've slammed, and Cruz is the new, rightful United States champion. Again, fun opener, did its job. Uh, after replays, we immediately went to a backstage interview with Caruso, who was waiting uh, outside of Gorilla for Apollo. Uh, he's a happy champion. Uh, that, ti that title that MVP paid for sure does look good on his shoulder. And we then cut to MVP ranting crazy at the commentators. Uh, then directly to camera addressing Apollo. Uh, Porter was saying that it was under unsafe working conditions. The flickering light lights, just the conditions. Uh, he wants his rematch, damn it. And he wants his rematch at SummerSlam. I can't do that voice too much. That, yep. <laughs> that hurt a bit. Um, Banks and Bailey were up next. But before that, we cut to a low angle of a bouncer outside a door as music pounded from the inside. Uh, commentary informing us, whatever this is, is the brainchild of Shane McMahon. So this is where the build started. I said I was looking for it earlier. It's immediately, like, after the first bit. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, next was our Banks and Bailey interview. Yeah, Sarah Schreiber introduced the two as their... Uh, they are elated and bouncing with all of their gold. Uh, they introduce us to a VTR of the, their Raw Women's Championship match from last week. My mouth's going all over the place today. Uh, before cutting back to them, we get Asuka incensed, threatening that revenge shall be sweet. Uh, Banks and Bailey are irate at them cutting to that. Uh, they came to this interview so professionally. Uh, but before they can go on, Shayna Baszler walks in. Uh, she's got a problem with what's going on says that she's next for the title and socks Sasha in the mouth. Looks like Banks is going to have some walls to climb over to make it to SummerSlam. And that's it up our singles match later tonight. Uh, our official second segment of the night, a Kevin Owens show. Hmm. Right, so, the, uh, to start off again, during his intros, Mike continued to cut out, and that was like a running theme throughout this, uh, especially the first bit. Kevin Owens' Mike would kind of like cut out a little bit and they again as characters tried to be like oh I'm making gags and jokes about it it's like is it weather issues or shame <laughs> it was neither um, Owens brings out Ruby Riot so this was a interesting segment I'll run through it first before giving my kind of thoughts on it uh, we've got Ruby Riot who goes on about struggling in singles competition uh, but after finally overcoming that last week, the only thing that could make it sweeter were if 
Liv Morgan were here. And Kevin Owens is like, well, she is here. And then now she, at this point, I'm just like, I'm not really invested in this duo. The Riot Squad never really gained any momentum. Like they uh, they got their pockets of fan, kind of, kind of fan support, um, and uh, who were like really really happy to see them like get pushes and succeed. Uh, but on the show itself, they were never really treated as a big deal. So to see this whole thing like won't be great. We could be the like, the greatest thing ever once again if we just team up. If we just get past our hardships, like. You were never great in the first place. <laughs> he didn't win anything. Um, so, again, but Kevin Owens brings out Liv Morgan. And I'm not entirely sure why he cares. Um, but, hey, I guess he's just a lovely lad that wants everyone to be friends. He went into that a bit later because this played into his kind of work with Randy Orton. So, if, if I'm giving this praise, it sets up the fact that later on, Kevin Owens was saying, I just really want to help people in the locker room. I, I want to be the guy that Randy Orton could be if he wanted to. Like, I like that later on. So this because this set up for that to make sense. Um, really, it got an awkward encounter between the two women. Ruby getting all emotional as she apologises for not accepting Morgan. Uh, oh, sorry, for not accepting that Morgan had grown and changed since the squad split. You want to say getting emotional, I mean just... Um, it was an emotional delivery. And uh, I wouldn't say the script was the best, but Ruby Riot... For me, Ruby Riot did as great a job as she could with what she had. And I don't know at this point how much is scripted and how much is kind of allowed to do what you want. Like Drew McIntyre screamed that it wasn't really that scripted. MVP stuff, again, similar thing. But with this segment, it felt like both women were heavily scripted and were sticking to what they were saying. And they did the best with what they had. It's that what they had was fine, <laughs> I guess. And if you're like me and you... St- We've been watching long enough to know that the right squad never really particularly gained much momentum. Then this falls flat a little bit more. But it's the recent story that uh, she's not really much at all will be right without Liv Morgan. Uh, weirdly, again, with Bianca Belair being subbed in to play Liv Morgan after she had to leave for no reason at all for three weeks. And uh, now she's back. They can continue the story with the right actors. Uh, Talk about continuing the story. The Iconics are here. Uh, they're the real BFFs. Uh, they call Ruby and Liv a joke. They're going, whoop-de-doo, you finally won one after 400 losses. Uh, Kevin Owens steps in and receives a slap for his troubles, uh, then signals to Liv and Ruby to help him out. And they take the Iconics down. Uh, consider your tag team match set up. Yeah, I said I'd leave it to this bit to say my opinions, but I accidentally stopped halfway through to do that. <laughs> so yes, I thought, again... For me, it was they did the best what they had. Just what they had wasn't that great. And if you've not got a great script, if you're at least directed half decently, you can get something out of it. But again, they're not really in this. It's it's pretty forgettable for me. <laughs> uh, but it's the story they're going with. That Ruby Riot now she's got Liv Morgan. They're a proper force, they are. Maybe this time they'll actually get some momentum. Yeah, the heels dominated a lot of the match, though. Like even more so after Riot was downed on the outside, uh, Morgan was suddenly able to score the most devastating move in pro wrestling, a quick roll-up, and stole the win. Short match, but uh, yeah, I honestly I wasn't that into it anyway, so it's probably a good thing it only lasted like three minutes. Uh, plus, uh, like in terms of time for the segment, they had a long bunch of time for the Kevin Owens show with uh, those who setting up the relationship with Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. Then the match itself, that means it's got like nothing. And you've given all that time to Riot Morgan. Uh, maybe it made more sense for me if 
like the O'Connics tried to get on top, but now that Morgan and Wright are together, that now they can. But they went with more. The synergy is not 100% yet. And the Iconics are that, so they dominated a bit more. But over three minutes, not like a lot. Uh, after the match, Kay, uh, Kay and Royce attacked Morgan. Uh, Raya interfered. And we get our double team from the two as they slam one of them down. Can't remember which one it was. <laughs> With a double team, like S a double STO type thing. And that was the end of the segment. So... Again, it was not great chemistry in the match itself, but afterwards you saw the promise of chemistry in the future. But again, this felt long. Don't really, not really behind it. Don't really care for it that much. Uh, and the kind of the scripted promos from Raya and Liv Morgan for me weren't that great. But yeah, I would say before I move on properly, uh, the winds picked up a little bit. And I've said, as I said before, there's currently an extension being built like right above me and around me. Not now, it's the middle of the night, but the stuff is there. So there's scaffolding around me, and because of the wind, the thing's flapping. I don't think the mic can pick that up. But there, uh, there's just like wooden planks going across scaffolding, and uh, they are flapping a bit, those wooden planks. So they might be here like a gump, gump. Hopefully it's not too bad. Hope the mic doesn't really pick that up, <laughs> because it's a bit of a duller sound it might do. Uh, fingers crossed not. Anyway, again, Hollow is a bad issue. I might try and sort something out or time down or something. Anyway, uh, after this, we went for the best thing ever, talking about stuff falling down. I didn't even mean for <laughs> this to flow. The bit that, when I think about everything that happened on the show, I just keep forgetting about this, but, oh no, a box fell over backstage. They cut for a report for this. This is fantastic. <laughs> My favourite thing is it's so questionable. Uh, there's, uh, Caruso is there, and she's saying that there's rumours, that she informs us a box has fallen over, uh, but there's rumours that this wasn't an accident. Like the superstars backstage, like they're they're spreading like the rumors around that this box wasn't accidentally knocked over. <laughs> I can't even get through it without laughing. Because <laughs> again, if you're trying to build up like this sense of weird chaos going on, just again think about the end game and what this actually does. Like this doesn't scream <laughs> like oh this box is on the ground and some people say it didn't just fall over. And there's just, like, cables and things inside. <laughs> it's just like... I don't think this paints the picture you're trying to. <laughs> it's just... It's such a nothing thing. But the thing that did work was MVP walking in. Like, rightfully pissed that they're wasting airtime on this. <laughs> and just questions Caruso on, like, what on earth she's reporting on. Uh, Caruso, like, changes his agitated tone fast by informing him that Apollo has accepted his United States Championship Challenge... Yeah, but, oh no, somebody's stolen Shelton Benjamin's 24-7 title. The gang's got a case to solve. <laughs> and off they go. Uh, at this point, you can tell I'm chipper in my notes. <laughs> but that box should have been a warning. <laughs> in terms of, you've had the lights flickering. They're building to something. They've mentioned Shane McMahon. You've, show, you've seen the lights flickering. You've seen a box knocked over. Like, my God. Like, who knocked over that box would be the biggest mystery not solved. Uh, I mean... Maybe it'll be solved. But it feels like such a nothing random thing that you can easily drop it and move on. <laughs> uh, this kind of screams similar. Because in terms of like the random things that were happening, it screams similar already in one week to the Who Tried to Kill Roman Reigns storyline from last year. Where it felt like week to week, it was so blatantly... Like, it wasn't known where this was going. It was so blatantly built from like week to week. Or maybe they had an end game. 
but they had absolutely no idea how to get there. And by the end, they got on such a massive tangent <laughs> and just gone with stuff that it just like each week felt like they were trying to solve something and it didn't make any sense, it didn't work. And the fact for me, the proof that it was rushed was, uh, to go back to the Roman Reigns thing, was I think I've said, but somebody else was tweeting out about it and I was just like, I would have loved to be in on that storyboard meeting, but I highly doubt they had one. <laughs> there's, there's, uh, I said later, the, like, the blocking for the shots and figuring out what goes with what, what flows, you know, what should we go to next? And he storyboarded it just to see what it kind of looks like, get a, general, get a kind of smaller idea. I doubt they did that, <laughs> the Roman Reigns thing. That it didn't feel like that at all, because <laughs> they didn't it didn't flow. It was jarring. It was so strange and weird. Um, but this also this of course is over throughout the course of a show rather than one segment. It's a similar feel where it's got things happening, but it's not been figured out if it one hundred percent definitely adds to the thing or feeling you're trying to create. It's just a thing that happened. Cool. <laughs> anyway. We go to my favourite segment of the show. I thought this was absolutely fantastic. Uh, just again, again, just to say there was good on this show. The word I'm using is fantastic. Uh, Drew McIntyre, and he cuts a promo on Randy Orton, who also turns up with Ric Flair. I thought, this entire thing had me. Which is great to say about a WWE Championship match at a pay-per-view. It had me, I'm in. Um, uh, to pardon the YouTube censorship, this was flipping amazing. Um, Drew McIntyre thanks Orton for the lesson last week brings up their similarity in that they were both brought into the WWE stage with Vince McMahon singing them as the future but that's where the similarities end Orton had his accolades handed to him because of who his dad was even more when Drew made his mistakes he didn't have anyone cleaning up for him when he made his mistakes he was fired for them ending on saying Orton should have been fired so many more times than he was, bringing that into canon. Uh, Orton comes back with our, again, third post-Corona spike returnee, Apollo Crews, Liv Morgan, and now Ric Flair. Uh, Randy says Drew's right. He should have been fired so many times, uh, being, being on it as well, uh, but he never was. Drew got fired. Says that is because Randy Orton is so valuable. He'd be given second chances, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, because he is the chosen one now, then, and forever. And I, again, thought this was fantastic, but it's a similar things that we've seen before. How it kind of apparently, I remember Edge going over this a little bit. I think it was Edge. The similar points of like Drew McIntyre, not Drew McIntyre, that Randy Orton, like in these darker periods really didn't face the consequences that other people did and it has become like a thing before where like the like in real life the wwe um kind of wellness policy the reason it falls flat is because of randy orton as in he was the first person to fail three times and the original thing was first suspension is 30 days second suspension you're suspended for 60 days sorry violation First violation, 30-day suspension. There you go, it makes sense now. <laughs> Second violation on the policy, 60-day separation. Separation, <laughs> you know what I mean. And third, you're gone. Randy Orton was the first person to fail three. So that went, and hello, King Venom, uh, in the chat. And after he failed the third one, they changed the policy so that you could work off your punishment or something like that. Something, And that's why he didn't get fired. 
Hmm. <laughs> but they worked that into this story. I'm talking about this story in particular. But it is a real life thing that their wellness policy has lost all seriousness and has been damaged. But it, yeah, it's <laughs> it's been damaged in real life by them not firing Autumn. But it is at least incorporated into the story and it added to it really well. Uh, but as I said, Edge has brought up these points before. And Randy challenges Drew to come up with one thing about Autumn that he's come up with on his own. Uh, McIntyre takes him up on that. Uh, tells Orton he's everything wrong with the WWE. He brings up uh, Undertaker's Last Ride documentary, uh, which was no, another cheap plug, uh, where the most interest- interesting part he found was Orton. Taker brought Randy up to his level. Why did he do that? He didn't have to do that. It's because he loves this industry. Uh, when was the last time Orton passed on any of that knowledge to anyone in the back? Uh, McIntyre brings up 10 years ago how Edge pulled Orton out of a hole well, back then, Randy walked past him, walked past Drew McIntyre in catering, at a moment when his world around him was collapsing. A kind word could have changed his life then. But Randy didn't do a damn thing. He calls Orton no leader, uh, the boys in the back respect, he, he sees a selfish prick. Uh, Drew has gone a, uh, Drew has got a whole lot of receipts to pay at SummerSlam. He's going to rip Orton's head off and, damn well, and he's damn well going to see it coming. Fantastic promo, unlike me there, stutting all over the place. Fantastic promo. Uh, talk about McIntyre rising to the challenge. I loved this segment. There's such fire behind Drew as well. Uh, the stuff we saw him like really hone uh, when he was fired by WWE and over the course of his years on the indies and Impact, he really honed delivering this kind of promo. And now we're seeing it really often. And now the fact that he's doing it against somebody, the calibre of Randy Orton, really adds a lot. I can feel my voice going, wow. Mm. Good girl. <laughs> My voice is going. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's a cut us to uh, backstage with Nia Jax. She's with the ginger lad. Who is Pat Book? That's it. That's his name. Uh, then we get Kevin Owens, who's backstage talking to Liv and Ruby in a fake room. <laughs> they even shot it so you could see the above the walls. Interesting choice, I guess. Uh, first with Liv and Ruby. Uh, secondly, Ric Flair walks in. Uh, Owens talks about everything he sacrificed for his career, but no, he's going to take a different path. He wants to help others in the locker room, be what Randy Orton could be if he wanted to. Ric Flair tells him to just mind his own business, take care of Kevin Owens, and maybe he'll get a title match in the future. Owens tells him he'll show him just how much of a man he is, and he challenges Orton to a match next week. Uh, This has been like a more recent thing in WWE, where they've got no fear to hype to something happening on the next week's show rather than it happening on this week. And maybe that's like no crowd. Like when there's a crowd there, you say, oh, this thing that we set up is now happening next week. And the crowd go, boo. But for me, that really hinders the show. If you're able to hype something up for the next week, then you get people in to tune in and stuff. I felt like AW found a way to do that and NXT did as well. So like, it's not impossible. <laughs> it's just more hard to figure it out. Uh, then we officially get Nia Jax in the ring. Nia, I'm realising, I'm talking about, I just need to check something, it's like, <laughs> I've got a makeshift lampshade around the light, checking, nothing bad's happening, <laughs> it's literally just a kitchen roll wrapped round, it's to kind of give a bit of shadow behind me, and I think it's worked a treat, <laughs> it's a bit of depth to it rather than lighting up the background way too much, anyway, none of you care about that, <laughs> it's checking health and safety, uh, anyway, so Nia is there with the ginger lad, 
and I know I've already said his name, but I'm calling him Ginger Lad. Uh, Nia apologises to Canva for her actions before ripping into him, not really apologising. Instead of properly apologising, she challenges him to a match. He'll get his official apology afterwards. Uh, Ginger Pat ain't buying anything. Nia gets under his skin, calling him short and ginger. Like, where's your fire? Uh, he's a WWE official. So after that, just suspends her. <laughs> it's like, well, ah, uh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, that actually makes sense then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, also, the only thing is, he, uh, Pat Buck has not been established as an official that has that kind of level of authority before this. So it doesn't really hit home as much as he would have done if we knew he was that level of backstage official. Not every single official has the power to, you know, fire every fire anyone. <laughs> but okay, it's been established now. It's a, that's just like a quick note that doesn't really not the worst thing in the world. Uh, Nye doesn't see it that way, like that it makes sense at all, and headbutts the lad before kicking him out of the ring. So she was going to face consequences before. She's continuing to face consequences now. Uh, speaking of. <laughs> Uh, speaking of consequences, is our truth truth and consequences. TNA reference, TNA. Our uh, truth runs down the ramp, chased by Tazawa and the ninjas. And Shelton runs down too to set up our 24-7 championship match after the break. Uh, so 24-7 championship, Shelton Benjamin versus our truth versus Akira Tazawa. And in full capital letters, I have written fatigue point. This was it. Like I said, I've noted it each time it happens. Uh, this week, I'm only halfway through the show. Like, sure, this match was fun enough, but it coming after the Nia Jack segment, and that came after us just seeing the biggest story on the show in Autumn McIntyre. Like, mentally, I did not come back after this. Like, after after that double whammy of Nia Jackson 24-7 championship, after the kind of big story I was most invested in, after that ended, I was done. <laughs> I did not come back. I didn't mentally. I really struggled. I was able to focus on certain things, obviously, but I was like, not. I didn't get back in. Like after this halfway point, and then it got worse and worse for me as the show went on. Like I just cared less and less. Like it never won me back. Uh, like hell, if I wasn't doing this review right here, this is. I would have stopped maybe after Banks Baszler after I'd seen that match because that was set up and I was semi looking forward to it. But it was still like an hour of the show after that, which is crazy. Uh, Shelton Benjamin with an incredible powerbomb to, to Zawa. That at least got a reaction out of me. Uh, he launched that man down hard. Uh, hit a pay dirt to truth as well. Uh, Benjamin, yeah, they had him actually beat them. Uh, but the ninjas jumped in. Those damn ninjas. <laughs> ninjas jumped in. Uh, the first hang springing off the ropes before Benjamin just clobbered him out. Uh, MVP and Lashley dealt with the rest. But back in the ring, Tozawa sent on off the top onto our truth and nicked the win. Akira Tozawa is a new 24-7 champion and he scuppers away. And again, fun enough segment. But again, on a, re a three-hour show where they're building to random stuff happening. And then they get a middle portion after the big thing. And like, well, what am I looking forward to, really? Like, <laughs> I was starting to forget what was coming up because I didn't really care. Uh, after this, we got our Shane McMahon reveal. Because, again, they're building throughout the night. What is this going to be? Cutting to the bouncer outside. They had a guy bringing a load of drinks. He then saw the bouncer and then just turned back and walked away. <laughs> and I'm just, the entire time I'm watching that, I'm thinking, well, the guys still want their drinks. Like, <laughs> surely? Did they not want drinks? Were you think you were doing a friend? What a weird <laughs> thing to do. Um, anyway, but after building up throughout the night, they just cut to Shane McMahon. And he just did, did a TV promo for it. 
just like at 10 EST it's going to be Vore Underground as they're showing two uh, toppers lads in tight jeans fighting each other on a mat with no ropes or things in this dingy undergroundy place and like more underground afterwards and again I didn't laugh I've heard other people today as I listened to opinions of their things that they, they their first reaction was that they just laughed like I'm sorry what <laughs> it's just a bit of what is this and my, my reaction was just like I didn't laugh it's like Sorry, what? Like, not even a laugh out of me. Anyway, uh, after this, we've got Rollins Mysterio recap. Uh, afterwards, we cut to a, like, a recap of last week with the highly edited stuff. Uh, we then cut to Dominic in an interview with Sarah Schreiber, who asks why he keeps showing up. <laughs> uh, Dom says he's not been of sane mind uh, as of late, and I've written that as in Kyrie saying, I'm such a nerd, uh, and can see why people have been calling him crazy. But if that's the case, they're sure going to call him crazy when he challenges Seth Rollins to a match at SummerSlam. Uh, damn it, Ray, sign the contract and the boy gets it. This <laughs> is what they're hanging over the head. Um, that builds to something later. Uh, next up, Shayna Baszler versus Sasha Banks. Segment number six of like ten. So again, I'd already hit my fatigue point. I'm like, right, I'm looking forward to this. You can see maybe why I struggled a bit. Uh, Baszler nowadays taking no BS, like an attitude that probably didn't bode well into her. Uh, just maybe didn't work too well with her having to deal with Banks and Bailey shenanigans. There's some awesome counters in this, like a brutal Uranagi from Baszler, like a sweet Rana from Banks as well. Like the five to six minutes or so we got from this were great. We didn't get much though. And quickly onto Asuka running down and attacking Bailey, and that caused the referee to ring the bell. But Bailey's not in the match, so I'm really confused. <laughs> Why did the bell ring for Asuka attacking Bailey, who's ringside and not in the match? Like that happens all the time in WWE. So that basically just means the next time <laughs> that they do this and they don't ring the bell. Like, well, why did they ring the bell that time? <laughs> inconsistency. <laughs> it's all we ask for from officials. <laughs> it's very inconsistency. Um, yeah, but I was really enjoying Baszler Banks. It seems to be like a running theme at the moment. Is you have a match that the fans want to see, and you put that together, but you don't want anyone to win or lose, so you don't have a finish every kind of screwy ending. But you have to come up with so many screwing endings that, you're, again, you're causing inconsistency amongst the show and the product. Uh, um, and this is what they did in 2019, was they essentially destroyed the their own rules that ha they had set up, and in that way, place, in that world... Your universe has no shape. When you establish rules and then break them, like rules for your world, and then you break them, then, it, then your whole thing has no shape. It doesn't con it can't hold anything. And they're in danger of going there again as they are in desperate mode, seemingly. <laughs> Once again, try just throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what can stick as they desperately try and get ratings up. And when this happened in the past... I just stopped watching. As in, I just looked at it and just went, right, I'm going to go for... I think I did, I did this in 2019. At the start of, like, I think it was, like, May or something where it started to happen. With, like, the... Oh, what was it? They did the Superstar Shake-Up. And then they did the Wild Card Rule. There we bloody go. And when that was happening, I was just like, right, you're throwing so many things at the wall every single week. I'm just going to leave it a week. I'm just going to... Not a week. I'm just going to leave it a couple of months. Wait for yourself to sort it out. And then I'll come back. Like, I'll piss off to Japan. Dominion was happening. <laughs> like, then the G1 Climax. I'll be fine. I've got stuff to cover. I'll be back for SummerSlam. And I felt like that worked. And I saw people on Twitter just talking about how like it was still super random. But uh, 
if I just stop watching, I can't do that this time because I'm reviewing it for, lots of, for the site. But it's still, for me, it's they're, in, they're not there yet. They're not at that point. Because when, um, I hear comparisons to WCW where for me that's just like the go-to point, that go, go-to point of uh, comparison. But again, it's also a point of comparison where like, it becomes less and less relevant and it's like a, you won't hear me making that comparison because again... That was, what, 20 years ago? There's been a lot of wrestling since then. The world has moved on. You're, what you're watching now will not be the next WCW. It'll be something completely different because things have changed so much. You can learn from it, but still. Tangent. <laughs> My point being that, for me, the danger they're getting close to is last year, where, for me, they just broke their whole world and had to rebuild. And I think they did a really good job. From, like, SummerSlam to WrestleMania, they did a great job of re-establishing their world, trying to put new people in those roles... Uh, and then we can move on to what happens after WrestleMania. But they're in danger again with that worry about ratings and not really caring what that does like from week to week. And they kind of like if, if you're last minute just throwing something wild out there, then that means you're not taking into account like how your world feels or anything. So like, it's nerdy, nerdy story stuff. <laughs> if your world has no shape, then why do I care about anything? When it's like literally anything can happen because you're... There's two types of that. They've said that in the past, but think anything could happen in the WWE was like one of their monikers. But when anything could happen, but that's because the rules you set up then get broken because they don't mean anything. That it's not the same thing. Like if anything can happen because your world has no shape, that also means there are no consequences for things happening. And they're in danger of getting there. Now, I'm a bit worried that after SummerSlam, after we've burnt through our big matches, Sasha Banks versus Asuka, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton, like, what is there next? I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> and that's what that's that period that they entered for me like, in 2019. Just a couple of months where it's like, right, I'm just going to step back and come back when you've sorted your crap out. And I feel like they realized, they started to do that by kind of August time. When I tuned back in to see the build for SummerSlam. Um... I'm a bit worried this time that after SummerSlam is when we'll get it. Like that period from October to the Royal Rumble might be all over the place. Especially as it's suddenly come more and more to terms with the fact that they will not be running live events. Because uh, it's one of those things where they, the places could open and it could come from up top that you, you know, you're perfectly fine to run these things. But they're not. America is not ready. And neither is my country. We're not doing it uh, either. It's, it's just... There's a very strong chance that even the next WrestleMania will not be allowed to have fans. Or, at the like, best case scenario, you get what you're getting in Japan or uh, what Germany you're talking about possibly doing. Um, Germany ahead of like the UK. So what I'm seeing in Germany, I kind of look at them and say, well, we could, we could be there at some point. <laughs> but in terms of stadiums and shows... Uh, like the football, for example, in Germany, they put out something saying that we are ready to have all of this in place and to go uh, with like reduced fans in stadiums and slowly kind of leak it in over the course of months uh, whenever we get the go-ahead from the government, of which they have not been given. It's just like they've got stuff in place. like a They've got a trajectory to go on. They've got a like slow build and reintroduction of like limited fans, uh, which we're kind of seeing in Japan as well at the moment. It's like as a timeline. But that is your best case scenario for the next WrestleMania, really. And 
Like, as WWE kind of come to terms with the situation they're in, will not end for quite a while. As that sets in, I don't know if the kind of panic will be... Because um, in the investors' call, that was the latest excuse, was uh, that really you want to... I mean, it's one of the, for me, this is the one that probably holds the most weight because the pandemic 100% has turned everything on its head and affected everything, especially WWE revenue. But in relation to why the ratings are down for television, yeah, lots of people have tuned out and said, I will come back when fans are there. So Vin, what Vince is saying is 100% right. Like, getting to running to live fans again, that's probably what we're going for. However, the country is not going to be in a state to do that for quite some time. So to say that to your investors as if it's, oh yeah, that's the goal. It's like, well, it's not up to you. <laughs> You're lucky that in, I guess lucky in quotation marks, that in Florida they've got a governor who, is it governor, mayor, senator guy at the top, wherever he is. Uh, American politics, it does the structure. Like, I, I mean, I've always been interested in world politics, like everywhere. But um, the American structure has always confused me. <laughs> I've, always, I've always really struggled to figure it out, how the hierarchy builds. I uh, constantly have to look it up whenever I'm looking at the Senate or the House of Representatives. Like, I don't know what each one is in terms of the hierarchy <laughs> who does what. Anyway, that's a politics thing. That's nothing to do. Well, point being, they're kind of lucky that they've got a governor person thing not taking the virus seriously uh, compared to like other states where it's a Democrat in charge and they have got much harsher methods. Like WWE would not be able to run in a Democrat-led state, for example. But I'm having to get political slightly. Because of like the long-term effects for WWE and what happens after SummerSlam. But they are in a state where they've got a governor who is not... I'm saying governor, if that's the right person, <laughs> tell me. But they've got somebody in charge who is not taking it seriously, which means they are able to keep doing these events and things. But if they're then saying they're going to run live events and that's their expectation, I would temper that. Like, strongly temper that. Because, yes, the up high leader man <laughs> that's my thing to not actually say any terms uh, he may say that it's fine to go but not everybody is going to do that especially if they hold it in florida as that as there's that growing desperation to get out the performance center it's like well like not even realizing he's lucky as hell to be running at all <laughs> again if in a different state he's not running anything where they don't have a pc center well, let's say that, sorry, let's say that PC Centre was in a different state. Like, oh, pardon me. <laughs> uh, very ungentlemanly to burp halfway through a point. But say that's the case, then they're not winning anything. But to say that in an investor's call, to say, like, oh, well, really, the thing is to, like, get back to live events, and that's, like, hopefully, like, the goal and things. It's like, you in trouble. <laughs> For the next quarter, especially, that's not going to happen. And even if it does, the, point, the final point it was getting to, the people of Florida aren't universally aligned with the mayor and won't just come out like ants and just... Do ants do that? <laughs> was it like lemmings? <laughs> just running off following. Lemmings don't do that either. It was the myth. Point being... <laughs> Random tangents. Point being that maybe the limited capacity maybe helps with that, if that's what they're going for. But will they? They're not taking it seriously to begin with. Will they do limited capacity? Do they kind of take it seriously? I, I don't know what level. I can't read their heads. Oh, anyway... So Sasha Banks-Bailey was what I was talking about before I got into my worries about the whole world and then what they're aiming for after SummerSlam and now I've got these big issues that is going to enter the, a kind of period that I stopped watching last year. Um, just as they throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. 
Like, really, my advice would be if they do go with that route, just tune out for like two months and come back because they will have they would have thrown so much stuff that in that period they will have a better idea of what they want to go with and certain things will have died. Like, the other thing with WWE is, this is what they did in 2019 that really did me in. They do this, announce this big thing, this massive moment or something. Within three or four weeks, it's gone. Never mentioned again. And within the three or four weeks, you've got more things thrown up and very few of them outstayed that four-week window. So... Still now, when we enter another period of throwing stuff out there, like, yeah, it could be cool, it could build to something, but I've had that expectation built into me that it's not going to last four weeks. So after an initial thing, I'm not going to care, because I've had that instilled into me. So yeah, I'm realising if I don't move on soon, I'm going to be here forever. <laughs> I'd like to go to bed, it's gone 1am on a Tuesday. Uh, so Baszler Banks was... Great until a nonsense interference. Because that's kind of what sent me on the kind of tangent was Asuka coming out attacking Bailey, and that causes the DQ. But Bailey's not in the match, <laughs> so why is she being DQ'd? That she's not interfering in the match. Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, again, that's throwing stuff out there and not thinking it through. For like one of the signs that I'm entering a worrying period is when stuff like that starts to fall through the cracks. Um, Cool, and to make it more confusing, it was an interference to set up an in-ring interview. A tad janky, <laughs> to say the least. Like, that that happened, Asuka was kind of going crazy, and then we come back for commercial break, and it's Asuka in the ring with Charlie Caruso. And she's like, well, before the break, we got an Asuka interference with Bailey Banks, and the Baszler was there as well, because obviously she was having, in the match with <laughs> Sasha Banks. But then it's just Asuka in the ring, and it's like, this is really weird. Very janky. Again, not as a bot with the storyboard thing, not pictured through how one thing leads to the next, like an SNL sketch leading from one to the next. Like, no. <laughs> um, so in this Asuka interview, we got, before we started, uh, Caruso led us into, I think it was Caruso, it was either her or Schreiber, uh, led us into our second recap of the night of last week's Raw Women's Championship match. I feel there's somewhat a bit of time to fill. And I've already hit my point of fatigue and you are without any edits re-showing the entirety of the finish at <laughs> the match of last week when you've already shown it with edits. So, oh, like the second straight time here, playing the entire end to the match with no edits. So, luckily for me, I'm not watching live. I can skip through this. Uh, so it really just adds to the fact that I've tuned out. Was I was enjoying a match for like four minutes and then it got... An interference to DQ that made no sense, and then jarringly cut to an interview of which we recap something in full that we've already been shown. <laughs> My God. Um, we then go back in the ring, and Asuka delivers the news that Kyrie will be okay, but she, but now she's not here. Asuka wants a rematch at SummerSlam. Uh, when Baszler appears, she's she didn't leave. She was there ringside the entire time. <laughs> she's now in the ring with a mic in her hand. Uh, and she says to Asuka that she's cheering for her. She's so excited to dismember her and take the title off of her. Uh, again, I like this. They're building her up uh, with character, with a kind of badass persona, taking no nonsense, none of the BS that's happening around her. And similar to an MVP role, in a way. Same thing with MVP, where they like none of the nonsense doesn't... Like, we're not going to take any of this. Uh, I like that with her. And building her up as, I want you to win so I can beat you. I don't want to beat the... Two of doing the nonsense. I want to beat the highly regarded wrestler. Like oh, I love that, especially if she, if Baszler is more of a heel. I love that as a trait. And uh, Shasha Banks's music hit. 
They were just out there. So now that they get the entrance again, <laughs> again, this was not thought through. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, you were literally just out here. Why did you even leave? Because <laughs> Shayna Baszler's not left. Uh, what, are, what is the time workings for this? <laughs> anyway, Sasha Banks comes out, and uh, uh, her and Bailey again are, f- are fantastic. I, I love those two. Uh, she was, uh, again, she's only just out here. But play music, sure, why not? <laughs> Sasha brags about having all of the gold, then says, sure, you can have a match, Asuka. Uh, if you can have a match, Asuka, if you can beat a four-horse woman, a multi-time champion. Woo! Bailey! <laughs> I just love the against, uh, against a former horsewoman. Woo! Bailey! Because <laughs> Charlotte is gone. It's a nice little tease of, oh, they're going to slowly introduce horsewomen like this and maybe Charlotte comes back. Uh, no, <laughs> I love that. Plus, it plays off of what Bailey did when with her SmackDown Women's Championship. When Sasha Banks didn't have any of the championships, she would be like, oh, yeah, sure, you can have a match against me if you at first beat my friend Sasha. <laughs> so it's the reverse of that. Bailey now kind of on the end of what Sasha, what she'd done to Sasha. Mate, and for me, this could be like long term building two stuff because I'm all for them keeping this going as long as possible between these two. I like where it is at the moment. Uh, after that, uh, Angel Garza is backstage flirting with a lass off The Bachelor. USA has shows to promote, damn it. Uh, so, outside celebrities, hooray. Right. I have no idea. I, I don't know. <laughs> I've heard of The Bachelor, I know what it is, I know what the format is. Never watched it, never will watch it, don't know anybody on it, never will know anybody on it. Well, a w- woman, I didn't learn her name. <laughs> Just blonde lady who's on The Bachelor. What off Bachelor she is. <laughs> uh, and here we went into Raw Underground and our time machine back to the year 2000, uh, where Fight Club is a popular thing again. And the one thing I didn't bring up, actually, when I did the full address of it, was the music. Like, watching a big seven-foot lad beat up for folk as beepsy-boop music beeps and boops. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very weird choice. Like, royalty-free beepsy-boop music that's trying to maybe be hip-hop. Which, again, just reminds me of the early 2000s. <laughs> just like, is it like a um, early 2000s MTV show trying to be hip? That's what this reminded me of. Like, because what was hip at the time? Like, obviously, like rap. For me, as a white child <laughs> living in the UK, on the MTV we had over here, that's when the um, it kind of felt like they took a more direction towards that because maybe they realised the youth was a lot more into it and they're finally going towards it. But obviously, not knowing why, <laughs> so you you got a lot of bopty boop trying to be hip hop, and again, I'm not a connoisseur, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm aware of the, and that's what you reminded me of, just that era, of yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Angelo Dawkins with Montez Ford versus Angel Garza, who was with Andrade Zina Vega, was up next. We had this hype throughout the night. We get two singles matches, quick back to back, one after the other. Uh, before the match, Dawkins is horny again, this time for that The Bachelor promotion. Uh, Ford focuses him and they rip into Gaza. Uh, again, Ford is great. Uh, and a little sort of thing, Ford took a sip out of his drink and just went, hmm, weird. That's not, hmm. That was it. Just a little face after he drank it. And I, I, I just happened to see it. I feel like if I was writing my notes at that point, I would have missed it. And they didn't bring it up. Like, they never mentioned 
it, on commentary. It was like, oh, he's pulled a face like that. Oh, what could be wrong with the drink? They didn't say anything. Uh, and then uh, Angel Garza and Andrade Zelina come out. Well, no, he doesn't. Actually, before that, Montez takes off his glasses to show how serious he is. Uh, and they attack my brother. They get the smoke or something like that. <laughs> I wasn't paying full attention. Uh, then the heels come out. And we get our matchup. Dawkins and Garza immediately end up on the outside with the latter pounce into the plexiglass for the immediate commercial break. Obviously, you get your big promo, you cut to break as soon as the match starts. Uh, there was a funny spot where Dawkins tried to powerbomb Angel off the corner, but instead ended up just ripping the man's pants off. <laughs> thought, yeah, the, oh, the old Tai Chi spot, I love that. Yeah, Dawkins manages to hype back into the match. Uh, Ford is doing the same at ringside too, but then just collapses. Uh, and immediately as I saw it, gasp, poison, running through Ford veins. <laughs> that's, that's the gag. I had to do that gag. I'm, I'm not, you can't do a poison thing on a wrestling show and not expect me to quote Alice Cooper. Uh, Garza takes advantage of Dawkins' distraction as his friend is down and he secures the win. Uh, we get a convenient t- time commercial break for everything to sh- switch about to the next match. Medical people to apparently come out and check on Ford and clear him for a match when he has been poisoned. <laughs> what is your medical staff, WWE? Um, and like Ford was meant to face Andrade next. They were going to break with him, just collapsed at ringside. Uh, like, what's going to happen? Intrigue. Mystery. Uh, and we come back and Ford has been cleared to wrestle. What is your medical staff? <laughs> Uh, and he faces Andrade. Like, Ford is out of it, trying to fight his way back in. Like, clearly not right, and hoping to adrenaline himself into momentum, if anything. Uh, Andrade taking full advantage of this, uh, his opponent not being 100%. Like, after some domination from Andrade, Ford had a full string of offence, flying, flipping, and soaring. Uh, he goes to then shake the ropes in pure hype, but after he does, he just collapses. Uh, the referee immediately calls for the bell. Uh, a mask-clad medic runs in and checks on a glassy-eyed Ford. Everybody looks on concerned as the man lays motionless in the ring. I've not heard other people bring it up, but I was just thinking, is this the best angle to run during a pandemic where this, like so many people have died from it? Like, Do you really want to run an angle where you have somebody on the floor collapsing from something, symptoms like that? Uh, again... Really, it was a. I didn't take too much stock into it. It's just like as a visual, because I felt like there were a couple of things on this show where, as they, they were taking influence visually from things that are happening now, like the Ford being poisoned, visually could have been inspired by you know <laughs> a mass pandemic type of stuff, and, and as well the Molotov later, like was that inspired by recent events as well, just in terms of the visual of chucking the Molotov and the flames up, like yeah, yeah. Again, not a massive fan of like. Is I really need to escape, and it's not gonna. Another thing that kind of takes it away from me is if you are trying to tie it to things that are happening now with your creative ideas. This, yeah, it's not really what I'm in for. Uh, we then go after after that <laughs> after uh, after Montez Ford has been poisoned. That would be the most mental thing on the show most weeks. <laughs> We've had poison. Oh. Uh, again, again, if, you, if you've not watched the show and you're listening to me, hopefully I'm doing a good enough job just to explain why this is such a random show. Uh, then we got Shane McMahon's blood spot again. Uh, Eric from the Viking Raiders beat up a lad. Uh, yeah, poor lad. Uh, hitting his awesome strikes to Shane McMahon shouts into the mic. Oh, that was sick. <laughs> it's just you're not going to make me think it's cool by that. Uh, commentators after Eric's destruction. 
It's, it's really weird just to insert this into the show as well. It's what I'm talking about with pacing. It doesn't really fit with anything else going on. But uh, that's, again, that's the thing with Bloodsport. It's, you've got your one thing, then it's done. Was that intermittently put it in when there's so much random stuff happening? It just adds to the randomness and it feels like random segment after random segment and none of it flows. So over a three-hour period, that really makes the show feel so long. Uh, and none of it's really that long either. Like apparently, I can't remember the Twitter handle, but it was added up that throughout the Bloodsport stuff, like the action you saw in the ring added up to about 90 seconds. And throughout that, there were about 75 camera cuts within those things. Like, my God, Kevin Dunn, slow down. Um, anyway, so uh, commentators then switch gears to what happens to Ford. Uh, Caruso is outside the doctor's area. Uh, Garza's there to quickly flirt with her presenter, Rose. Uh, Dawkins comes out of the area, full serious voice as he says For- Ford has been poisoned, according to the doctor. Bianca Belair also walks out too. Huzzah, Bianca Belair! She saved this angle by being in it. Really great, Bianca Belair. Please use her more. <laughs> uh, she immediately criticises Selena Vega, taking no BS and attempting to launch at her the second Vega wriggles with her words. Uh, like, hey, this night's been so weird, <laughs> but if we get a Bianca Belair push out of this and call me happy. And this led into the second... Uh, this led into the kind of thing with the... Faction. So apparently it might have been hyped that there be a faction debuting on the show. Again, me not watching till the next day, I miss all of that hype that kind of seemingly must be coming out like late at night for me, um, as they've decided finally what's going to be on the show. Although word was they were revising it as it was happening, which yeah, I totally believe having watched it. <laughs> like, so I guess this is the second Inspired by Life event segments. Uh, A group of five black hoodie wearing people launching Molotovs at a power generator. Flames rising from the box as the commentators talk about this crazy situation. And it's just the static camera showing them and they do that. And they they come across a a bit as... It's not really that threatening in a way. Just jumping and cheering like, woo. Yeah, it's it's an odd visual. Don't know what they're going for, but you've built up a mystery faction. And I highly suspect we they were not... If you're trying to judge it by the shapes of the people of who's in the faction, I highly doubt those five people that were there, one of them was female, I highly doubt that they are the five people who will be there. I do not know who it's going to be. I doubt... Do WWE even know, given that so much of the show was seemingly rewritten as it went along? Given this had to be filmed and then put out there, it's a bit... But this also adds to the fact that it really could not have been Zelina Vega. Like these people who knocked over a box. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Do you have no bounds, my friends? Ah. And uh, here we got our backstage interview with the Hurt Business in their blazers. And that's when Lashley connected the dots of, oh, I know a thing about MMA. I should probably go to the fight club to release some stress. Uh, and this, again, this is where, this is this is the point for me where I hit my, oh my god, this show will just not end point. <laughs> Realising there was still over half an hour left and there were no more matches to come. It's just like, what is this show? Uh, and the reason I got it was we e- we entered a full edited recap of Rollins Mysterio, which was recapped earlier in the show before Dominic Mysterio's interview. We then get the entire recap, in, like including the build to Extreme Rules, the pay-per-view itself, and last week, like just everything in a properly edited package when we've already had <laughs> a promo package earlier. 
So we get another one. It's like, oh, this, this is the first time in my reviews since I've hit the when will this show end point. As in, I've gone past fatigue. I just want to be finished with this. When will it end? And it's over half an hour. It's like, Jesus Christ. It's, and for me, you've hit a massive pacing issue when that is the case. Again, some great stuff. Love Drew McIntyre's bit. Love what I saw of Sasha Shane Baszler. Apollo MVP was a decent opener. But I am gone <laughs> by this final hour. I am just... I'm ready for it to end. Uh, so, Seth Rollins gets a promo afterwards. Uh, in the ring, he directs his attention to Tom Phillips. Uh, asks if he considers himself a professional, an unbiased journalist. Does he take pride in his job, in his body of work? Uh, but what did he do when Dominic was assaulting him with a kendo stick last week? He cheered him on. Rollins says Phillips is the lead commentator of Raw, so what he says matters. It's his job to call things down the middle and not to slant things or present things with bias. Uh, Rollins calls him out for doing a poor job, names him a liability. The entire time Tom Phillips is kind of quiet, just like backing off, just like uh, seemingly affected by Rollins. And Rollins' delivery as well was very shouty, very directive. And it says it's come the time to find a new face of Monday Night Raw uh, and orders Murphy to uh, do the deed. Uh, Samoa Joe immediately stands up and stops Murphy from taking Phillips at Rollins' orders. Joe calls out the bullying man in Seth Rollins and says, if you have an issue with him laughing, well, I was laughing harder than anybody. And that's when Rollins properly like, hypes up and stuff. And is like, why well, well, it's getting the ring then. Uh, Rollins and Murphy get into the ring. Joe gets ready and we fade to black as the three lads prep because it's time to go to adverts. And when we come back with them closer to being ready, Spur <laughs> Joe just... Doing his cufflinks. <laughs> it's just slowly but surely, Joe. Uh, but before he can do anything, Dominic rages in with the kendo stick, swinging hard at the two heels. He hits Rollins onto the ropes and nails the 619. Then with the two of Rollins and Murphy on the outside, he launches off the top onto them. And honestly, it's great seeing him nail all of those moves. Uh, then Rollins, in pure anger, on the ramp, accepts Dominic's challenge for SummerSlam. So... We get it. Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio, and like, if anybody's going to give like a fucking like, Dominic Mysterio a great first match, it's, I truly trust Seth Rollins to be that guy. Yeah, or or sign your contract, Ray. Then <laughs> Dominic won't have to go through this. <laughs> uh, but still, I, I I I've seen a bit of hate for the Dominic Mysterio stuff. Personally, do not understand it at all. I've really bought it. I'm really impressed with like how he's progressing, what he's doing. Uh, the fact that he's as good as he is, like, yeah, I'm like, really impressed. Uh, like, maybe if he... I don't know if he'll go to NXT at some point, but, like, yeah, I've been impressed with him. Generally like him. So, that, that's good. Didn't like the show, though. <laughs> so this is the first one, actually. If this is the first one of my shows you've listened to, it's like, oh, he's such a uh, negative numpty. <laughs> as Americans are known to say. But I... This is the first show, this is the fifth one that I've done of these... And the other four was mostly positive. Like maybe the odd thing I didn't like, but overall enjoyed the shows. Uh, but this week is the first one I can affirmatively say, by the end of it, I had not enjoyed my time. I uh, really liked the... There were sprinkles of it. I like really liked the Drew McIntyre stuff. The ba a ba a Baszler versus Banks stuff. Uh, the opener. And like even it, like the way it ended with the Hurt Business on top, I thought that 
did wonders for them as well. I thought that was really good. But the whole, as they show itself, like the again, I was feeling like I was fatigued halfway through, and then with half an hour still to go, if it was like maybe even more than that, because there was an ad break, like with that much left, I was done. And I'm just waiting for this to finish. And I knew there's more underground stuff to come after the Seth Rollins thing. And I forgot the Seth Rollins thing was happening because so much has happened. <laughs> You've shown me Molotovs being thrown. You've shown me somebody getting poisoned. Interferences that don't make any sense. Shane McMahon is running a fight club. <laughs> it's so weird. So strange. Um, if I was to review like, this show with my normal thing, where I'll give a sentence of uh, what is my closing segment statement for this show, my review would be, Weird. It was just weird. <laughs> Don't really have anything else to add. But what on earth is this raw underground thing? <laughs> it feels like... The reason I brought it up earlier. It feels like the latest attempt of something wacky and out there to try out to try and grab... A, that's why I said it felt desperate to me. To try and grab people back into watching. Like, they're doing this raw underground thing and it's real fighting. It felt like a desperate attempt to draw people in. Or, as I'll see it as a long-term fan, the latest thing that won't last four weeks. So I won't give any of my time to it. Like, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, I do not want to be proven right. Normally when they heavily invest in something, I want it to last. But I've become used to the fact where something like this, if it exists in four weeks, I will be amazed or be surprised. I guess happily surprised if it's built to something. I want to be proven wrong. I don't want that world... To, I don't want to enter that world again. Again, I stopped watching. <laughs> Somebody reviewing these shows. I don't want to enter another period where in the past I've stopped watching because of the reasons it's happening. Uh, anyway, I'm going to go to bed. My eyes are getting blurry. I need to be able to read the outro <laughs> before I get to it. Um, so anyway, I will be back on Thursday for the NXT review um, oh, for, in terms of the future of that show I don't know if NXT will be joining AEW moving to Thursday to so that temporary thing so they can keep the battle going but if they do uh, then the show obviously just moves to Fridays I can do it on Fridays, it's fine but uh, please check out the other shows here on LP Radio and of course on Lords of Pain slash Wrestling Headlines YouTube, uh, again I'm back Thursday for the NXT review, same time, same place uh, live after AW Dynamite is our AW post show Dynamite After Dark with Jamin and Jeff Fridays on the podcast only we have the WWF The Legacy Series an unabridged look over the history of the now WWE with a journey of the WWF uh, and we've got the Oh, I tried to bloody remember the name of it. <laughs> oh, doesn't matter. <laughs> Leave that thing. On to the next thing. Uh, we've got a history of the uh, Canadian wrestling in a similar vein to WF Legacy. It was meant to debut this Monday, but encountered a few issues, so been pushed back to next Monday. Uh, keep out for that. I will plug it when it's like everything is set up and we're good to go. So don't be don't be afraid. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> everything will be announced. You'll never be coming. But that will also be a podcast special, like the WWF the Legacy series. Uh, and we've got the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast, uh, quick and painless as well, uh, here on the YouTube channel. Uh, and obviously, lovesofpain.net, uh, or wrestlingheadlines.net, for all of your wrestling news and things. Uh, Sir Sam did a column on the Zack Ryder for AW, which absolutely blew up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, great column. Highly recommend. As in, it's good to see a column that I generally thought was great or blowing up as well. As in, it's not just... In the past, you've seen it before. I swear it happened one of mine. Where it was just like the title of it was clickbaity enough that that generated a response, and most of the kind of interaction with it hadn't even read it. But on this occasion, no, it's great to see a 
Yeah, I would say it wasn't my best column. <laughs> Which is to Sam, awesome to see uh, that's that vital column blow up. That's a massive tangent. <laughs> also, I've not plugged Kingdom of Honor as well either. Kingdom of Honor, which has currently been in the New Japan world, so I don't know what they're doing this week. They are normally often live after me. It's just because I'm English. Like they'll go live like half an hour sometimes. So I need to get, check with them when they actually do. Anyway, with that, I'm done. I'm going to go to bed. Eyes are blurry. Can't read the whatever more notes I've got. <laughs> so with that, I say thank you for listening. And what the hell was Raw Underground? <laughs> with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.